welcome to the Nourished Soul podcast, where we talk about all things body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Ritter. Yay! Okay. All right. Welcome to the show, Patrick. I'm Thank so, you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so glad that Megan connected us because that that was you reached out to her, though, right? Yeah, you listened to yeah, that. Episode I, I listened and- to y'all's episode. And I was like, oh, these are the conversations that I love to have. And so I was like, I want to have a conversation with Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so excited about that because um, normally I don't jump right to saying, sure, let's, and for some reason, like I got a full body. Yes. So I'm a generator. You're a manifesting generator, right? Yeah. I'm an MG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're an MG six, two, right? Correct. <laughs> I'm a six, two, two. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I nice. know. <laughs> yeah. So I got the full body. Yes. And was like, okay. And then had to learn about you. So that was, you know, <laughs> that was- I love that. I just, I, that's such like a beautiful example of like really following your authority, following your intuition and yeah, just like feeling that yes and just rolling with it. <laughs> and right. I'm glad you did. Selfish. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Patrick's really interesting. You've had an interesting journey. So I thought maybe we could start there a little bit about, cause I know you speak fluent corporate and fluent woo woo and <laughs> bring those together. So I was thinking, and you're already, I mean, I know you're an entrepreneur, so it's not like you gave up business, but I think you've had an interesting route to the channeling and transformational energy healer. Like how how did that come about? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a very roundabout story that I will tell as concisely as I can, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I did the typical thing where, you know, I went to you know, a a high school where like you were college bound, like that was it. I mean, it was a college prep school for sure. And then you go to college and you choose a major and you just think that, well, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. (laughs) First of all, first of all, yeah. But But yeah, and then, you know, I I entered into a very, very corporate world in my 20s working for Mm -hmm. the Wall Street Journal. And I was there for six years and I was covering the financial, not as a journalist, but as a advertising sales executive. And, you know, I was working with companies like the New York Stock Exchange and Prudential and a lot of others. And so like in New York City and, you know, it's as corporate as it gets, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And you know, eventually I moved to Colorado and that's really when the deep healing journey started. Like I had been in therapy for years, you know, prior, but I found like the therapist here in Colorado. And that was kind of the beginning of the unwinding, you know, piece and Mm -hmm. really finding what spirituality means for me. Mm -hmm. And reclaiming it from all of the religious conditioning and the cultural conditioning, you know, that we are all certainly exposed to, to varying degrees Mm -hmm. and, you know, ultimately landed, you know, this was like in the middle of launching and running my startup for the last two years. Um, Last year I had a friend just ping me and say, Hey, I think you should do 
this energy healer training. And I was like, this makes no logical sense right now, like zero, because we were in the middle of pivoting my startup, relaunching it. But to your point that you already brought up, like I sat and checked in because by then I was really aware of, okay, you know, things don't happen by accident. Let me at least give it its due diligence and just pause, check in with my body, check in with my gut feeling and see what it says. And every time it was a hell yes. Mind you, I did this 10 times over a two-week period. And it was literally five minutes before the deadline to sign up for this training that I finally like pushed the button, right? Because I was like, well, you know, it's like, give me a sign. And it's like, well, let me wait for a signier sign, right? Uh (laughs) Right, of course. Like the pinging from a friend isn't enough of a sign. I need like a neon sign. Yeah, and my gut feeling saying yes, five, 10 times before that was still not quite enough. Right. Of course. Mm -hmm. And, but I'm so glad that I did. And I said yes to it. And it was a combination of, um, like I call it somatic breath work. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, as well as like the chakra system and energy work and whatnot. And I had no intentions of becoming, let's say an energy healer or any of that, but it just opened this whole world. And I had always heard and like in the back of my head, like, Oh, like, Hey, you're a healer too. Like you can do this work. You know, anytime I would go visit one of my practitioners or, you know, the original version of my startup was actually like a LinkedIn for therapists, alternative medicine practitioners, you know, people right. in, you in know, the this wellness, health and healing health. world. Right. Yeah. Got it. Uh-huh. Which and is in inlet. Right. Inlet. Yeah. Inlet. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually in the process of winding it down, <laughs> um, which we can, we can get into that later. Um, but it just, it was like, Oh, like I, you know, this thing that I've kind of always known was true mm-hmm. to a degree, mm-hmm. but have never really embraced like, well, now it's time to embrace it. And last year, Oh man, like talk about a roller coaster. Like we thought 2020 was wild. I mean, for obvious reasons. And yes, it was. But for me personally, 2021 was far crazier. And I think I died, you know, 10 deaths of self. Right. Yeah. And had yeah, yeah. 10 different transformations. And this is very manifesting generator of me because I was like jumping from thing to thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, I got kind of really led to work with women specifically, which was like a whole edge for me because the story I was telling myself was, okay, straight white dude, like you're the problem. You're the patriarchy. You are, you know, like you're not the person to do this. Like it's, it's female practitioners. So that are the ones that, you know, are supposed to do this. And again, these are all stories I'm telling myself. Right. But when I really sat with it, as well as told a few other, a few friends about it, mm-hmm. they're like, no, you're the exact person who needs to show up right. because until, right. you know, straight white males start showing up in a more aligned, authentic manner in safety mm-hmm. and not trying to save, not mm-hmm. trying to intervene, not trying to really take away anything from the feminine, whether that be pleasure or pain, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. You know, that's, that's everything right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, even since that moment, my journey has evolved because, 
I've had multiple women say, Hey, can you teach this stuff to men? <laughs> yeah. Can you teach this to my, <laughs> yeah. And so Spouse, dad, yeah, right. Exactly. Kid, somebody, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and I'm also doing this work in corporate settings as well. Right. And so I've had yeah. female teams and, and groups of, you know, corporate groups of women mm-hmm. who I've led workshops for. And every single time they're like, Hey, can you teach this to the men too? So that's, that's opening up right now as well, for sure. In a major way. Um, yeah. And I'm just really in this period of like the most grounded feeling transition I think I've ever been in and it's, and it's wild. (laughs) Yeah. So lots of things are pinging in my head, right? Because I, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the channeling too. Like where did you yeah. suddenly realize you could do that? Or you've always been able to do that? And how does that come into the work? We'll start with yeah. that ping in my head and then we'll. Yeah. I think first of all, like we can all channel. You know, we right. like, this right. is where ideas come from. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Like inspiration. Is- inspiration. Every business idea, like that's channeling, whether right. you believe in it or not, I'm right. sorry. <laughs> and, and it's right. really, it's just energy moving, you know? Right. And I love yes. If, I don't know if you've ever read A Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. her philosophy on creativity, right? Like she sees it as this spiritual right. practice, this spiritual being where your ideas, your books, your writing, you know, any of it, your business has an energy of its own. Mm-hmm. And you know, these ideas come to you. And if you don't act on them, they're going to go find somebody, somebody else. who will, yeah, somebody who will act on it. And so getting back to your question, <laughs> um, it's something I've always suspected in myself, but I think mostly through like my very conservative Catholic upbringing. Yeah. I was going to say Patrick con- Murphy sounds very yeah, Irish Patrick Catholic. William Murphy. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. get less Irish if you add my middle name in there. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's just say I don't tan well. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So the, after that upbringing, and then to to be right, so some yeah. unwinding of yeah, and I mm-hmm. and it was just something I've always I've always told myself, oh, you're really intuitive, right. and you can read people well. But there's a difference between saying you're really intuitive and saying you are unintuitive. True. <laughs> and yes. that's really what it what I've come to embrace in the last year. But it's interesting because I feel like everybody has a story where, you know, once you arrive at the thing or the calling or the moment, you can then immediately look back and see all of the breadcrumbs in your life right. that you were just following, you didn't know that we're going to lead you to this point. And I remember vividly, this was back in college, you know, I'm at university of Georgia. It's right during the start of the Iraq war. Okay. Uh-huh. And one of my fraternity brothers was in the Marine reserves was sent over to Iraq mm-hmm. and then ran, I think it was a Saturday morning. We had, uh, or sorry, let me back up a little bit. Friday night. I had this dream that my, my real life brother yes. was who was not in the military. Like he was in high school at the time, like in Atlanta. Right. I had a dream that he was in Iraq, got up, you know, to, and ran across the field to save a wounded soldier and was shot in the back twice and died. 
And I woke up right in that moment, like sweating in right. a panic at this right. nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, grounded myself. And I was like, oh, that was just a dream, a really intense one, but it was just a dream. Three hours later, that Saturday morning, we get a text from, um, you know, our, our chapter president saying like, hey, emergency chapter meeting right now, everybody get to the house. And we then learned that our fraternity brother had been shot in the back twice, trying to save somebody in Iraq and died. And it was one of those moments I never in that moment, you know, this is, it's a breadcrumb moment, right? Right. Right. And it was one of those where I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Like there is some sort of higher power out there. Like there is, you know, this, this thing we call spirituality, this thing we call mysticism, you know, this thing we call God, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, whatever anybody wants to call it, it exists. But now I look back and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. That was like a little bit of a psychic dream. And mind you, I don't walk around telling people, oh, I'm, you know, psychic or an energy healer or whatever. It's Mm kind of one of those things that I just keep in my back pocket. Right. And use as a tool because, and I, I really encourage anybody to do this of cultivate your intuition, cultivate your relationship with your intuition. Mm -hmm. Cause, and that's really all I see it as, you know, and, and it's like, whether it be the corporate work that I do or the individual, you know, coaching and guiding and healing work that I do, Mm -hmm. I'll just pause and just check in with the moment. And sometimes, you know, the moment makes no sense in terms of what I'm being told as our intuition often does. Right. But I've learned to trust it more and more. And every time I do, magic happens. And every time I don't, I certainly end up regretting it later. And I'm very clearly shown that, you know, hey, yeah, like you should have followed this. And, you know, and here's why. (laughs) Right. And I think those breadcrumbs are interesting. And I, when you were talking earlier, I was thinking about, you know, some of the things that I'm in the place of looking at, um, they, they seem like surprises sort of, but they like in addiction, I've been working on, and it's, it's both not that surprising and shocking. And you're right. You get to a place where you're looking back and you're like, Oh, all the breadcrumbs. And I was thinking, Oh, it can, it happens with the good stuff too. Not that addiction is necessary. I mean, it's just not been fun. It's not been pretty. None of it, I think is all as pretty as we think it's going to be, you know, there's never is never (laughs) Never messy. And when you're trying to follow, like it took you up until the five minutes before it's time to sign up for this. And you, cause your mind is still trying to make sense of it. Your Absolutely. mind is still, your ego is saying, no, this is not what we're doing right now or yeah. all of those things. But I still think of the positive, like I want to, when we get off, I'm going to spend some time thinking about like the positive things that have been shown to me that have been both shocking and also not that surprising. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's funny yeah, how those I paradoxes stay right together. Oh, for sure. And I think right. that's one of, I love that you use the word paradox because yeah. I, I mean, you know, Brene Brown talks about this, like is, is being able to hold two competing truths. Yes. That is just core to the human experience. And yeah. we fight against it tooth and nail. Because we want 
certainty. We want the straight path. You know, we want answers and, and we also want those answers and that whatever truth we believe, or we've made up for ourselves, we want confirmation of that. You know, I mean, a la the state of the world right now, you know, just look at politics. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think because every step requires vulnerability, like there is no certainty. So as you step on your path and what I, the word trust, you used that a second ago and I was like, oh yeah. So the trusting that your path will rise to meet you. If you take some step, any step really, the path does rise to meet you. And if you miss the breadcrumbs, that's okay, more are thrown. Like it's Mm, it's perfectly okay to keep missing it because it will come back around for you. Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. It's like, we don't miss the chance. Right. The chance, like we get multiple chances. I mean, especially if it, it, it's our, you know, kind of our Dharma or our calling calling. or like what our soul came here to do. Exactly. We, you know, the universe gives us, like you said, more breadcrumbs. I think that's so beautiful. And it's just about trusting the next right step. And believe me, this has been a journey for me over the last two years. And I was, you know, I had a friend, um, holding space for me in a breathwork journey. Uh, and it was probably about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And, you know, I just had this vision of like, it's the, we've seen this in movies a million times. Like there's, you know, a group of, you know, people like trying to escape the big monster or the evil wizard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're running through like a cave system. And then they come to like the edge of like, they're coming out of it, but then there's just a cliff and there's no bridge across right. and they have to, they have to just trust that they, you know, when they step, the bridge will appear, but there's no evidence for it until it actually happens. Right. And like, that was the vision that I got. And it's Mm -hmm. still something that I'm trying to incorporate every single day is like, just trust the next right step. Because Mm -hmm. I have like the, both the blessing and the curse of being very, very analytical, as well as also very, very creative. And I'm a big thinker. Like I've got big visions, big dreams, big ideas. And my mind immediately, whether it starts with the big idea or it starts with a small idea and becomes a big idea within three minutes in a very manifesting generator fashion. Right. Um, I then have to pull back mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, what's the first step in this, what's the next, next. right step mm-hmm. in this to get to the big vision. And, but it's hard sometimes because I'm often overwhelmed by the big vision. Right. That's a good point. Cause I often have clients visualize either a time in their life when they were well and healthy and, or what they hope to be, which I would say is on the other side where there seems to be no bridge, right? There seems to be no path. They can't even, you know, sometimes they can't even imagine themselves on the other side. Yeah. But I ask them to do their best to hold that. And if they can think of a character from a book or a movie or something that visualizes that, because I think if you can visualize it, you're more likely to build the bridge, but you're building the, you're, you're stepping, you're, you know, you've got to have the trust 
and the um, ability to withstand the vulnerability of taking this step. But sometimes that might just be really overwhelming for people when really that vision, I'm thinking that's helpful, right? That, the ideas. Yeah. But really what they need to do is just visualize taking the next right step, whether, yeah, well, whatever that is. Right? For sure. And it's it's both and, both and right? Like right? you need- you need this idea, you know, you need that expander, uh, right. Lacey Phillips. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Like she has yeah. this concept of, um, she called she's a manifestation, uh, kind of like coach guru, et cetera. She has an amazing podcast. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> um, she has like, she, but she gives you language, like the language of manifestation. And one concept that she, you know, has introduced is she just calls it expanders, which is exactly what you were saying. It's the person who already has the thing that you're trying to get, but who maybe looks like you or has the same background as you, or, you know, kind of had maybe a similar path, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, using different language, like it's just representation, you know, to a certain degree. Right. right? Right. And, and while, you know, having that, let's say vision board or that North star, you know, person that you're trying to, emulate. Cause here's the thing, like people, we, it's very easy for us to look at, you know, let's say like the Brene Browns or the Oprah's or the Tony Robbins, or, you know, insert whomever you look up to. Right. And it's easy for us to say, Oh, well, I'm not that. No, you right. actually look up to them because you are that they're just an unblocked version of yourself. Mm-hmm. They're just a more realized version of what you're trying to get. And mm-hmm. that's in you. You wouldn't look up to that person. You wouldn't be inspired by that person if it wasn't in, in you. you. Right. It wouldn't even be on your radar. You're right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. There's plenty of people that we don't look up to. And we're just like, nope, like that person doesn't inspire me or whatever. And, you right. know, you kind of sit here and wonder, you're like, but they've got like millions of followers or, right. you know, right, whomever. Right. And it's like, okay, it just doesn't resonate with you. And that's fine. Oh, and by the way, like when you're doing your thing, not everyone's going to resonate with you either. And that's okay. <laughs> right. So what do you think when your work and, and what do we think about the unblocked versions? So it wouldn't even be in us. And, and that's true about the things that the, uh, the things about which we are complaining too, right? It wouldn't even be yeah. on your radar if it wasn't a part of you, which can be the kicker, right? Cause you're we For like sure. to look at the stuff we like, but not the stuff we don't like. So if all that's in us, the blocking, like that's where I think the transformation, but it's all energy. So mm-hmm. whatever ways we can find to unblock that energy, what do you see the breath work? I'm guessing is. is yeah. I mean, breath work is such a huge tool. I mean, there's different tool. tools, tools, you know, I mean, right. and, and the thing is, is they're one, they're skills and two, or one, they're, you know, there's tools you can employ, but there's skills you can build. I mean, you know, obviously with your background, like, you know, this, <laughs> and I think that like, I, you know, I look at my own story yeah. and I think about when I first started meditating yeah. and it took me, I was using headspace and this was like when headspace first launched uh-huh. like over 10 years ago, it took me 90 days to get through the first 30 day headspace packet. Mm-hmm. but I stuck with it. And I was one of those people that mm-hmm. said, I can never meditate. Like meditation is not in, you know, a thing that I'm able to do. My mind is too busy. 
I have too many thoughts, you know, all the stories that so many of us typically tell ourselves about that modality. And, but it's a practice. And now I'm, you know, 10 plus years into it and I rarely miss a day. But I'm at the point now where it's like even just a minute meditation, I can drop in, but that's a skill, you know, that I've had to develop. Anyway, mm-hmm. getting back to your question. <laughs> no, that is, that's the answer. Well, actually, no, this is, yeah, but yes. It's yeah. Keep like keep going. that's been a part of my journey yeah. because it's all about creating the space between mm-hmm. that stimulus and the response and the, and just being able to have just that split second mm-hmm. where you get to decide mm-hmm. how you're going to respond And I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest um, tool for me is really, it's been curiosity. Hmm. Just get curious about yourself, get curious about the other person. And, you know, because everybody's got their why, whether Mm -hmm. they know it or not, it might be deep childhood trauma is the reason that, you know, your boyfriend is showing up like, you know, really crappy or, you know, he's verbally abusive or whatever. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that to like dismiss any of that behavior. Right. Yes. Got it. Mm -hmm. By any means, you know, I mean, like boundaries are a real necessary thing as is safety. Right. Right. But when we begin to turn inward and do our own work, breath work has been so transformative for me in that because it really allows you to go deep within yourself and subvert your ego and get into a more malleable state, you know, where concepts like neuroplasticity and, you know, those types of things can be introduced, you know, and take place. And you can literally rewire your brain, your nervous system, you know, in, a different manner so that you show up differently. But the key is like, you've got to go in, you know, you got to feel it in order to heal it. Right. Right. And that can be really hard for people sometimes, you know, and that's why we stay stuck. That's why we Mm -hmm. stay in resistance, you know, to certain things. And that's okay too. Like it'll come when the time is right. (laughs) Right. Right. I always say you can't, you can't jump off the diving board until you're ready to jump off the diving board, even with a bunch of people around you saying, you got this, we're right here. You can do it. You're not going until you're ready to go. And then one day you're just ready to go. And hopefully you have the support when you decide to go. Um, because that, and I think breath work people think, Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's just so simple, but there's some really powerful, even good research. Like sometimes breath work is the only thing that helps with complex, uh, trauma. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's, it seems simple, but it's actually being able to bypass, to drop in and bypass the ego and drop down. You're right. Yeah. That is it's something that's a skill and you can work on that and develop that. And I think, you know, one of the things is really impressive is that you've done so much work on yourself and you really wouldn't have even probably made the transition if you hadn't been doing all the work on yourself. So I wanted to talk about that because from my perspective, um, we can only journey with somebody where we've been, right? Yes. Oh so my gosh. I'm, yes. I'm not going to be a guide 
to someone if I haven't done the my own deep work and continue to do that. Mm-hmm. And well, we'll start there because then I want to circle back to something that came up in my therapy that you just posted a on Instagram something that's similar. So we'll get. We'll come back. Oh, I love to that. that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's exactly what I was just talking about in my own therapy with my therapist. Uh-huh. So some of your work, like doing the one-on-ones and men's group and talk to me a little about that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where to start. I know, right? Because <laughs> because you're, I mean, I've done a lot of work and you know, everything that I'm saying, like I'm on the other side of so much of it right now. Mm -hmm. And it, but there were times, you know, as recently as five years ago that, Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally looked at my therapist and I was like, when does this get good? Like, when does this get, like, when does life get fun? Like, when do I get to stop feeling this way? Because what I've noticed is, you know, things get messier Mm -hmm. and, you know, quote unquote worse before they get better. I mean, and you know, it's the same with like, gut healing. It's the same with so many things because it's like, we've, we've got to undo. And just, I mean, the phrase I use is let it crumble because there was a moment. It was actually a pivotal moment for me where I was just like in resistance to anger and all of these things that I was feeling. And it was a Saturday morning and I had a to-do list a mile long, which was never even remotely achievable but I was just like paralyzed by anxiety and like, couldn't get out of bed. And I finally just started to let myself cry a little bit, which wasn't a brand new thing, but the new thing was I let myself get angry. And I guess, let me back up a little bit to give some context around all of this. Cause I kind of jumped ahead to like the middle of my healing journey. So <laughs> I grew up with an alcoholic father yeah. uh, who has never been in recovery and still isn't and a very codependent mother. Mm-hmm. And we had everything, you know, my dad ran a multi-million dollar, you know, business. Um, and then it all came crashing down, you know, in late teens and my twenties. And, but like, we went to private schools, you know, we went to, you know, ski trips to Vail every year. And so I knew internally that something was off, but I was like, oh, well, like we, you know, I don't need anything mind you, I needed a lot emotionally, but <laughs> as we know, right. but, but that, and I didn't even know, cause he was a very functional alcoholic mm-hmm. because he wasn't like a fifth of Jack a day, pass out on the couch, you know, kind of person. It was like from the time he got off of work to the time he went to bed, he would either have a Budweiser or a glass of wine in his hand. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know until it was my early twenties when, you know, my mom mentioned it and I was like, no, he's not an alcoholic. Like, ah. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. And then I think it was the second therapist I ever saw, you know, I'm just telling him about stuff. And I was like, well, my mom says he's an alcoholic, you know, whatever. And he was like, hold on one second. And he goes and prints out a list of just like traits of an adult child of an alcoholic. And I was like, check, check, (laughs) check, check. And then I just sat there and I was like, oh shit. Right. And yeah. And so, you know, from then on, Mm -hmm you know, I'd been in therapy, but like, we're just talking blinding anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, like debilitating anxiety at times, you know, some panic attacks, which I weren't actually characterizing as panic attacks at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, a ton of trouble in relationships. I mean, like codependent numero uno right here. Um, and 
you know, I mean, I was in a relationship for three years that probably shouldn't have lasted longer than three months because I didn't want to break up with her because I felt bad doing it. Right. <laughs> like that's how codependent I was. And, you know, and certainly like all the other things that come with that of just like seeing the best in people and seeing the potential in people. It's like, well, you know, welcome to my dating life in my twenties, like a lot of potential, not a lot of like alignment <laughs> in the moment. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So then fast forward to, you know, I, I moved to Colorado. I'd found the therapist that I, you know, still see today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually going to see her in about three hours. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that amazing when you find a therapist that you're really aligned with? I mean, I've been with the same therapist for 10 years and people like you still going. I was like, oh yeah. Like I will run you <laughs> yeah. over on therapy day. I'm like, get out the way. It's yeah. therapy <laughs> totally. day. Yeah. For sure. For yeah. sure. Um, but yeah. yeah. And so, you know, getting back to that moment where I just let the anger started to flow mm-hmm. and I was just angry because the story I was telling myself is you're not an angry person. Don't mm-hmm. be an angry person. Mm-hmm. And sure. which is very different than just letting anger flow, you know, and even somebody who would be labeled as an angry person, well, like they've got a bunch of pent up anger and they just need to let it flow. Like emotions are just data. Like they're not who we are, right? They're just what needs to be seen and witnessed in the moment, right? Or mm-hmm. at least seen in the moment and saying, Hey, we can't do this not right, right now. now. <laughs> I'll get back to you later. Yes. But like, then get go... back. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just started to wail on some pillows <laughs> and, and was just letting it flow. And I just heard the words, let it crumble, mm-hmm. let it crumble. Mm-hmm. let it crumble. And it was just this, like everything that you've constructed, whether it be the coping mechanisms or, you know, the things that kept you safe or the stories you've told yourself, you've got to let it crumble because then you can sweep away the rubble and rebuild it in the intentional way that you want to live your life. You can create yourself versus curating yourself. Yeah, I love that. And for me, so much of what therapy has been is unpacking, like unpacking things that I didn't even know I took on. And I, I, you know, the visual that I would see personally and I also professionally is that we pack on all of these identities, like the things that people tell us we should be, things we've decided somewhere along the way we're good. Yep. titles, jobs, like relationships, all this stuff. And we're contorted. Like it really feels like we're contorted. And so then doing the work, whatever that looks like therapy, self, I don't, whatever, but you start unpacking it so that you can find alignment. So you're not so contorted anymore. Once you start unpacking the things and you can say, Oh, I'd like to keep that. No, I like that about me, or I want to keep that. And sometimes titles, you're right. Things have to crumble, <laughs> like whether you want them to, to stay or not, they're yep. going. <laughs> yeah. I feel like once you say yes to alignment with your soul or whatever people want to call that, you say yes to life on life's terms. What is, is in the way? What's a problem for your soul or your life is going. And where I see suffering is when we cling, 
yep. like cling to a relationship or a title or a something. And then we feel it's going to hurt when it's ripped away because it's crumbling. Yeah. And if, you know, I think it's, a, I mean, it's normal to cling to things. Oh, but, for sure. And it's it safety. Does, and it does feel very disorienting when things are crumbling. I don't know about your experience, but I was like, wait, I wanted freedom. Freedom feels like really disorienting, really scary at times. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I. It's, oh, there's just so many layers to that because one, you know, you mentioned the clinging to things yeah. that's just safety. Like even, you know, I mean, we think about, well, okay, here's a story. So like, this is how codependent I was. <laughs> um, and like, this is just a really solid representation of where I was and just how far I've come. Mm -hmm. And this was six years ago. Mm -hmm. I had started dating somebody here in Colorado. And it was very much one of those like trauma bond relationships where you're like saying, I love you within like three or four weeks. And like, yep, you're the one and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, just mm -hmm. sparks flying everywhere. And I was sitting on the couch telling a story to her. I was mid-story, mid-sentence. And she just looks at me, puts her finger up to her lips and just goes, okay, shh, 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 and just kind of waves me down and picks up a book and just starts reading it. And I don't think I've ever felt so small. <laughs> than I did in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, but I internalized that as, oh, I guess that wasn't a good story or maybe it was too long, you know, or whatever. She did this two other times. Mind you, I was telling my therapist about it and we had just started working together. Now we've been together for so long. Like she would just be like, nope, cut that off. Uh -uh. Like she would just tell me, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you know, at the time she was like, well, and how did that make you feel? And I was like, well, I guess it was a bad story and da, da, da. you know, I was doing the thing where I was thinking it was my fault right. when what I should have done is just walked out the door. <laughs> well, or even dropped in, like you were doing the head thing. Well, I guess yeah. that it was me and it's not a good story. And I shouldn't, as opposed to like drop into your heart, like, hello, no, that would have, that hurts. Totally. That's yeah. not feeling good. Right. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because I've told a handful of friends that story mm -hmm. and, you know, this is years ago, but they, they'd be like, they just can't imagine. Cause that's not how I would go through my normal life. You know, it's like, I'm very successful, like was working for the wall street journal, you know, doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And then that's happening behind the scenes. And it's just this wild, like, kind of perfect depiction of like, well, this is what our lives are like sometimes. Like what's on the surface isn't always, what rarely is, you know, what is actually happening behind the scenes. And right. I forget what the original question was. I apologize. No, me <laughs> I too. No, I, like, <laughs> no, I like all of that though. Cause I think, you know, I think people, we all have some facade thing that our lives seem pretty good not sometimes people doesn't look very good on the outside. Right. But then the right. inside is the crumble. I think that's, that's the piece when you let it 
crumble let it yeah go (laughs) that's where we were yeah right and that's and that's the thing though and like we still dated for another five months oh you were clinging and (laughs) yeah and and that's the thing i was clinging but it was like you know it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't right and that's you know that's why we stay in you know harmful relationships or dysfunctional relationships because it's often scarier to just be alone You know, and, and I think that that's what happens when you let things crumble is like Mm -hmm. things get really unfamiliar when you allow things to crumble because those coping mechanisms, those safety mechanisms, like the stories, the relationships, the friendships, whatever it might be that you're letting crumble, it was still like that served you at some point. Sure. So you can honor that it was helpful at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That served you at some point, but it's crumbling because it doesn't serve you now, but the next thing hasn't come in yet. Right. And so you're letting things crumble and you're just seeing a bunch of rubble, which really like you're seeing, you know, largely it's like emotionally, right. But sometimes it's actually physical, Physical. you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. whether it be like, you know, physical, like purging, you know, your body's going through you know, whatever it is to just get rid of all the toxins or whatever it was, you know, if you're doing gut health healing or whatever, um, you know, it could be relationships, could be friendships, whatever, but you're just seeing like your life in ruins almost. And I'm using that, you know, a little bit hyperbolic. Um, and I'm not saying this to scare people. I'm actually saying this to like, tell people like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's the bravest, most courageous, most caring, compassionate thing you can ever do for yourself right? is to just let it crumble. But it's really, it can be profoundly unsettling and very lonely at times. And that's also okay. And, you know, for those, like, it's just so key to have a support system if that is available to you. And if it's not like, figure it out, like find, you know, like find your people And, but the problem is it's like, well, you don't even know who you are in that moment anymore. So finding your people is also a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really just sharing all of this to just say like the mess is okay. Like the mess is necessary for the healing to take place, for the transformation to take place, for, you know, the freedom to take place. Because once you clear that space, whether it be physically, emotionally, spiritually, et cetera, you get to choose. You get to decide because you can take all that rubble and maybe temporarily build a fort, you know, like in your living room. You know, I love visuals. It's like, like with, you know, when we were little kids, like we build forts in the living room, right? Um, You know, it's like, do that and just be in that fort for a little while and just make a list and decide who gets to come in and play and who doesn't boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. What's, o- what's okay. Who's okay. What I, yeah. And I think, yeah, living in the rubble can be hard for people for a little bit, but also you're right because when it gets back to the trust, trust the next right step. If yes. Just, yeah. That in the rubble, you will find your way. It just doesn't always seem like that. But yeah. Well, and in the rubble, you will find yourself because we are 
-hmm. you're going to find your wholeness. It's just a journey back to your wholeness. Cause I believe that we are all whole. Yes, I agree. But you mentioned earlier, you know, we get a lot of things that just kind of get attached on or belief systems or whatever mm -hmm. that cloud and block yes. that wholeness. And that's what that crumbling part is about. It's just standing there and you, it's just you with you, which yeah. can be really unsettling at first, especially because you're like, wow, I really am powerful. I really am worth it. I really am worthy of love. I really am, you know, insert whatever you are in that moment. And when we return to our power, mm -hmm. that can be really scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which kind of gets me to where, what I was talking with my therapist, we were talking about how the passion and the wound are right up against each other. So I think that's also the place yes. of, of the power, right? Of the, it's, but these passions and wounds are next to each other. And there's, there you are with yourself in this place. And so one of your posts recently was similar. I'm probably going to butcher it. No, our greatest gifts and deepest wounds reside together or in the same area, in the same place, mm -hmm. the same space. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, what's really scary for people. Um, is that, and I guess we don't always realize that the wound and the passion, that's how it works. And that yeah. tr trust is what's needed there because you can't even take a step. And you can't move forward with the passion and the wound together if you don't have trust, trust in yourself, trust in something maybe bigger than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and very often we are like that passion doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't die. It doesn't go away per se, yeah. but you are embodying it through the, through the wound at first until right. you look at that. And so it's coming out in maybe a misaligned way or a maladaptive be. way. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, well, I'll just share one of mine. So when I was 15 years old, mm -hmm. I just got my learner's permit and my, we were, you know, I was like hopping in the car to drive somewhere with my dad. We're pulling out of the driveway and he pops open a beer. And I mind you, I did not know drinking and driving was illegal until I read it in the driver's manual because I'd literally seen it my whole life. <laughs> and I said, no, dad, you can't have that. Put it away. And he was like, no, 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 it's fine. Keep driving. And I said, no, you cannot have that. If we get pulled over, I will go to jail because you have an open container in your car. And this just escalated into a knockdown drag out fight that ended up, you know, right outside of our neighborhood, I'd pulled over, we're in the parking lot of the gas station and he's just yelling at me, you know, saying I'm disobedient, saying I'm, you know, a bad son and, you know, all these different things. And I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place of obey your father and your mother and obey the law. And I've got to choose one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but in that moment, subconsciously, what I chose was you can't speak your truth. And you certainly can't speak your truth to power. And so me being a very vocal human being for the most part, mm -hmm. I, you know, I started to hide parts of myself and, you know, and this continued into my twenties and, you know, early thirties where 
you know, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, it's like, I'm a big thinker. I've got big ideas, but I would shrink them down right. to fit that middle 50%. So they would be more accepted, or maybe I wouldn't say them at all. Right. And I certainly wouldn't speak truth to power, even if I knew in the moment and everybody else knew that that person was wrong, right. you know, and that person needed to be, you know, corrected or, you know, directed in another way or just informed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, like, so, but you know, yeah. now I sit here and, you know, I'm on stages, I'm doing facilitation work. I'm doing, you know, mind you, I've done all of this to a degree, you know, my entire life going back to the breadcrumbs, <laughs> Right. Exactly. but now exactly. it's like, no, I'm not holding back right. anything. Yeah. That's a perfect example of the passion to speak your truth, this passion, even just to speak, like to be out there speaking, doing your thing is right up against that wound, like right yeah. up against the, yeah. So that's, that's a nice example. And I also, you know, I feel like it might be time to ask you, since you're somebody who's giving back a lot, what do you do to nourish your soul? So you're doing a lot, you do your own work in therapy and that, but what else nourishes your soul? I think the biggest thing for me is nature. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a constant battle for me to just allow myself that time because, you know, I'm, I can very often just kind of get in these loops of, yeah. you know, oh, well, I'm creating these things and I've got to keep working towards it. And it's all fun for me, but, you know, there's a tipping point where it's like, no, if you're burnt out and you're not taking care of yourself, it becomes not fun. So I actually spent this entire past weekend working in my yard. Mind you, I've owned my house for almost seven years now. My yard is largely a disaster still because it's it's one of those things that's so overwhelming to tackle that I've just been like, well, if I don't do anything, it's better. But you know, I got my hands really dirty. I mean, my whole body was covered in dirt <laughs> and you know, built some garden beds and planted a bunch of things and you know, just yeah, like really just tuned out and I didn't listen to any podcasts and I didn't, you know, like mm -hmm wasn't doing any like kind of this constant self-development work. Cause like, typically I'm kind of like, Oh, well, if I'm like digging the plot for the garden bed, like I can just pop on a podcast and learn something right now. No, just slow down and pause and learn something from the earth. Yeah. <laughs> learn something from nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I hear nature as, as a source for people nourishing their soul. And, um, really where I am now too, doing a lot of earthing back mm -hmm. to like putting our feet and getting dirty and putting our feet on the earth. So that's beautiful. I, I think that's a good place for you to nourish your soul. Cause I think as a manifesting generator, you can go, 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 go. Yes. Like I'm the same, the generator energy can be the energizer mm -hmm. bunny. If you're lit up, by what you're doing. And so yes. to, to really take the time and the space to say right now, I'm going to soak in, just soak in what nature has to offer. I think that's important. We're yeah. And just like, just that. allowing ourselves to receive, you know, that's, for yeah. so many of us, like, especially those of us that are in like healing or facilitating professions or whatever, like, it's just so easy for us. Cause it lights me up to, to do this work, 
you know, and, and I've discovered that like, even in casual conversation with people that, you know, they'll kind of crack open sometimes. And I've, I've had a lot of people start to kind of reflect that back to me. Cause like, they just feel really seen yeah. and like, that's one of my gifts, but it's like, it doesn't have to be an always on thing. And mm-hmm. I want to be seen too. Right. Right. Yeah. To be able to receive that. There's a beautiful heart meditation where, um, and it's kind of like, you know, the meditations where we're giving out a lot and you see a young you, and then you see yourself when now, or those kinds of things and you're giving, but then to circle it back, to bring the love that you're pushing out there to circle it back into your own back. Yeah. Cause I think that's an important piece that particularly healers and wellness workers, and we're giving a lot and then to be able to, to have that kind of support. So yeah. 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 So that's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) Anything. I mean, we have a few more minutes. Um, I was trying to, to think if there's anything else you feel like would be really important for people to know about you, or I will make sure people know how to get in touch with you. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, let's see, what should people know about me? I, I just, I love, I'm so passionate right now about Mm -hmm. the corporate facilitation work because I don't think like, we're not going to change culture until we change work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at the great resignation, right. Of so many people that are leaving their jobs and Mm -hmm. choosing to be unemployed for a time because they're like, well, that's better than what I was going through. You know, and I think we're going through this great upheaval where like people are letting things crumble and they're coming back to themselves and they're getting a little more choosy about like, you know, this is what I want to do, but in the fort you can play. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. But I think the ability to regulate one's nervous system is the most underrated business skill that anybody can have. And I look back at, you know, my twenties and, you know, my certainly my early thirties and just think, oh my gosh, like if I had had the skills that I have now, Mm -hmm. how different things could have been because like, just how much less dramatic, you know, because like I grew up, you know, my household was chaotic at times growing up. And so it's like, I needed to find that and create that over and over again, Mm -hmm. because that's what my nervous system was used to. Mm-hmm. Because in silence, in calm, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I'm bracing for the next thing. Or I was, you know, I was bracing for the next thing. And so, yeah, I'm really passionate about bringing these concepts into the corporate space in a very business friendly way. You know, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. It's like, I, I, I speak full corporate and I speak full woo woo and I can translate between the two. And, you know, forget, you know, woo, like so much of what I teach it's backed by, you know, it's not this like big ethereal, like, Oh, I just like sat and channeled this in like, no, this is backed by neuroscience. It's backed by research. And, you know, I'm teaching real time, like skills that can be used in real time. It's not like you need to go and sit in your car and meditate for 10 minutes. Right. You can literally employ these skills in the middle of a business meeting in the middle of a day. And come back to yourself, come back to your center, come back to your gifts and operate from that place, operate from a place 
of your truth mm-hmm. and rise from there. Yeah. I think you're right though. I think we're on, well, I think everything is changing, right? Yes. So we're, we're in a big changing phase and I think corporations are going to, ha- I mean, everything is going to have to shift and you're right. Most of us come from some sort of chaotic background. And so we're creating these chaotic and then nobody wants to be in that. So, yeah. yeah. So we're going to have to and I think when you're, when your nervous system is regulated, you're right. You're able to respond. We create that space yep. between the stimulus and reaction. So if you're a reactor, you create the space so you can respond and then you work on boundaries and all your communication can change. All kinds of things can happen and yeah. really hard conversations can then take place in a yeah. safe way. So that right. And that's a skill. Like there's a container that you can create and there's an intention that you can bring into it and just say, Hey, yes, we're going to have a hard conversation. It's going to get messy, but let's just be in the mess together, knowing we're going to come out of this on the other side, you know, and, and it can be as simple as that. And again, like it's, it's simple, but it also takes practice. You know, if you're not used to that, you know, if you're not used to sitting with that discomfort and really at the end of the day, what, you know, I'm launching what mm-hmm. I'm calling seeing human mm-hmm. and it's just seeing what it starts with seeing yourself on a deeper level mm-hmm. through the lens of curiosity, compassion, and yeah. self-care right. such that you can then see others through that same lens. And we can connect with ourselves and with each other on a deeper level. Cause if there's one thing we need right now, it is connection. Right. Yeah. And I think when you're done with corporate, if you could move over to the politicians and the whole political oh, that's a world, whole, right? yeah, that's a whole nother, right. I, know, I think right. The, the best way I can sum that up, it was like the onion posted this years ago and it said, it was like Washington DC conducts controlled burn, you know, for, uh, you know, ridding itself of, you know, corrupt polish or whatever it was. And whatever. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. actually not a terrible idea. <laughs> but we've got to live through the crumble, right? We're in this big transformational space. Yeah. The, the world is changing corporate. Everything is, we're in a really exciting time, but it's got to crumble so that we yeah, can- which is painful. You know, it's, I mean, it's crumbling of institutions. It's crumbling of beliefs. It's crumbling of ways of being. And like anything built poorly needs to crumble plain and simple. But like we kind of put a lot of these things that were built poorly up on a pedestal, whether we chose to or not, you know, and, and, you know, I just want to acknowledge that pain that anybody might be going through in this. And it's not easy. You know, I mean, I mean, we all know it's like, I'm preaching the choir here with everybody listening of like, yeah, the last two years, like, no, they haven't been easy, but look at what has been exposed that needs to be fixed, that needs to crumble, that needs to change. And that's hard. You know, it's, it's really difficult because the first step really is just letting it crumble. Yeah. It's also exciting. Then, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, right? I, I mean, I totally agree. I'm like, I totally agree. Let it burn. But I don't. Um, I feel like yeah. I made myself sound like this like doomsday person, you know, talking. No, about, like, I don't think we're like, painful or whatever. No, I think I'm I just think it's really, important to acknowledge. Yeah, like I think it's yeah. just important to acknowledge of like, yeah. no, it's not just like butterflies and rainbows when you like start no. transforming or whatever. Mm-mm. It's just, Mm-mm. you know, it there is that period of 
yeah, things are changing, things are shifting, it's uncertain, et cetera. And, but I'm with you. I think it is very, very exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. Well, and I think when you've been through enough um, crumbling and you realize that it really is like the butterfly has to lick, I mean, the caterpillar has to liquefy in order yes. to become like it basically eats itself <laughs> to become yeah. the butterfly. Then you're like, okay. And you, when you've been through that enough times and seen, felt the butterflyness of like how light and free things can get, you're like, okay. So when it comes around again for you to cocoon, cause you're going through another transformation, it's, it's not quite as scary. Cause you're like, oh, here we go again. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, you and I both sit in that place, you know, where we've been yeah. through that so many times. And so I'm like, wholly with you on, on that. And I love it. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. And I'm, I think it's a, a really honor. It's an honor for me. I know it's an honor for you to sit with people, to companion people on their journey through, through that, through the crumbling and the rebuilding and the choosing. Yes. And, right. Every time, like there's nothing more beautiful or courageous to me than seeing somebody just go there, <laughs> just go to that place within themselves that is hard, that's scary, you know, that's in their shadow that they've maybe buried, but face it. And then seeing their energy shift on the other side, like they're usually exhausted, yeah. but something's changed. Like their spirit is sitting taller yes, and their energy is more expansive and they're standing on the scar of what was once a wound but now that scar is firm ground that they can stand on. And they're just saying, look at where I've been and look at where I'm at now. Beautiful. I love that imagery. I'll be thinking about that standing on those scars. So I am so grateful for your time. Patrick It has been so great to talk to you. We could go Likewise. on and on, I think. So I just, um, I think it'll be really great for people to, to hear this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Nourish Soul podcast. Let's stay connected. You can find me on social media at Dr. Kelly Ritter on Facebook and Instagram is Dr. underscore Kelly, K-E-L-L-I. And I would love to connect with you that way. And also, if you want to find out what we're doing or what we're up to at The Nourished Soul, you can come to the website, nourished-soul.com. And you can join our 30 Calm community. It's free to join. So visit the website. There are lots of articles there. You can find out what's new, what's going on, if there are any events or workshops, or um, I also do some group coaching. So you can find all that information on the website. I look forward to connecting.